0: Good afternoon, everyone. This is your host, John, of The Research Review, creating a platform to connect and inspire. I'm here with another excellent researcher today, Turaba. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your research?
1: Hi, um, I'm Turaba Rahman, and I'm an international student from Bangladesh. I am a sophomore majoring in physics with a minor in computer science
0: why did you choose that particular combination
1: i did not choose the minor at the very beginning i added it later but for physics i have a passion for science stem in general but Mm -hmm. mostly about physics and chemistry i'm i'm in a community where women are not encouraged to study let alone choosing a career in stem Mm -hmm. and i chose a career in physics usually in my community parents really don't appreciate that but i i'm thankful that my father supported me and let me come to the u.s to get a high quality education and here i am here i am
0: is that is that why you you chose to came to the u.s
1: yes this is why i came to the u.s it was difficult for me at first because i have to pay out-of-state tuition fees and Mm -hmm. i don't have any financial aid Usually in my community, parents really don't like to spend a lot of money on their daughter's education because they think it's a waste of time and money. But my father really, really wanted me to go out of my country and pursue a high-quality education. It can be the U.S., it can be anywhere. But in the U.S., I got, I got a lot of scholarships from Kent State, and yeah. this is why I came here.
0: Well, definitely from the the work that you've told me about that you're doing, We definitely appreciate having you here and doing research within the United States. Now, what was your research project again?
1: My research project was on the theme of liquid crystals. So it is about a phase in the liquid crystal, which is called the ferroelectric pneumatic phase. Mm -hmm. So my research was specifically on ferroelectric pneumatic liquid crystal. I was examining the flow properties of this specific ferroelectric pneumatic liquid crystal, uh, I was seeing how it flows in through a capillary action or through capillary action with an additional electric field applied to it.
0: Now what what are flow properties exactly?
1: Flow properties are the way the material is flowing. So uh, inside the material, there are dipoles, Mm -hmm. which are like in ferroelectric pneumatic liquid crystal, there are dipoles that are pointing towards the same direction. So I want to know how it flows or how the dipoles react when I'm letting this material go inside a sandwich cell, which has a gap of around one micrometers and the sandwich cells are actually wrapped, like the, in, the gap inside are wrapped with this polymer. And I want to know how this polymer affects the flow properties of the material when the material is flowing inside the gap. And then I continued the experiment with an additional electric field. So the material was flowing inside the sandwich cell. It, uh, and there was another electric field. And so I was applying the electric field from both sides and I was examining how it reacts.
0: Awesome. So, from better understanding research in the field of liquid crystals, what other stuff, products, and research projects can branch off of that?
1: Like right now, so ferroelectric pneumatic liquid crystal is a very new phase. So, it was discovered during the, during the 19th century, somewhere between 1950s or 1960s. So it's very new and very little is known about this specific phase. So right now we are only focusing on the fundamental properties such as how it flows, how it flows when there's an electric field, how it flows when the gap in the sandwich cell is very small, how it flows when I ap- apply a temperature so right now I'm focusing on this, and I'm not sure h- how far I can go with this research. Mm-hmm. But like the applications will come much later once we figure out what how this material actually reacts to certain variables.
0: Right. Yeah, because it, it's it sounds it sounds very complex, and there's yes. there's a lot more work to to go into it. Now, how long do you plan on continuing this project for?
1: So during summer. 2022. I participated in the SHURE program, which is mm-hmm. a summer undergraduate research experience at Kent State, and I chose to work with Professor Oleg Leverntelvich, and he's working with liquid crystals, and he has grad students, and each grad student is working with different projects. I chose this project because so I wanted to work with something that has something to do with electricity something which is not very complex because i have never done research before Mm -hmm. so since i've never done research before i did not want to go to a very advanced environment so this project was not very hard to understand but it wasn't easy either yeah Uh, (laughs) yes
0: it 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 sounds very advanced to me
1: (laughs) Uh, yeah um, when I first when I first took part in this project I had a meeting with my professor he wanted to talk about the content what liquid crystal was and he was very understanding Mm -hmm. I was actually scared because everything was everything was just so advanced and I didn't take any advanced courses in my college yet so I thought maybe my PI might not like the fact that I don't have advanced knowledge, but he was very understanding yeah. and he gave me a lot of articles that he published before on liquid crystals. I learned them. I did not learn everything from the content because sometimes were just very complicated for me to understand. But as I was doing the experiment under the guidance of my PI and the grad student, I learned a billion of things, some things that I have never learned before. Mm-hmm. And I was pretty scared at first because I did not know where the where certain lab equipments were, how to make a sandwich cell, how I can put the material, like the ferroelectric material inside the cell. Everything was taught to me by the grad student and I'm really grateful for that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I've noticed that professors who choose to incorporate undergraduates into their research, they actually want to work with students, so they will make an effort for us to understand things better. And yeah. they've been in our shoes before; they didn't just come out of the womb as doctors so and so. Like they were in the second in their second year or being a freshman of pursuing a bachelor's. So like they they know how intimidating the process can be.
1: Yes, uh, my professor. Say the exact same thing Um, when I had my first meeting with him about the potential project and what I should expect He was like, you know, you won't really know all the terms because they are so advanced. Don't be scared Mm -hmm. And I felt relieved
0: (laughs) (laughs) So do you want to work in the liquid crystal toot forever or what branch of physics do you want to really pursue?
1: Honestly, I am more into nuclear and astrophysics Mm -hmm. And I never expected to work with liquid crystals, but during the Sure program, I thought of exploring this category of physics. So liquid crystal is in the nanoscience category or material science or soft matter, whatever you say. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, during my high school, I learned about nuclear physics and astrophysics and all those stuff. But I never learned about liquid crystal, and since I'm doing, I'm I'm in my undergrad. I thought of exploring different fields because this is a great opportunity to learn more about a field in physics, and so I did.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and having having perspectives from all around the table will help you like later on in your career.
1: Yes. However, um I'm not thinking to continue my research in liquid crystal mm-hmm. forever because I'm I'm planning to do grad school and which is not going to be in liquid crystals I believe, but yeah. it can be somewhere. It might be in um nuclear physics or astrophysics. But I don't know, my plans might change. <laughs> yeah.
0: Gr- grad school as in PhD? Yes. That sounds very cool. Yeah. Now, since you, you mentioned astrophysics, I just have to ask this question. Do you think there's aliens? Like-
1: <laughs> um, I don't think there are aliens. No? No. Why not? I do think there are e- extraterrestrial beings. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, yeah, I guess that, that's the more proper thing. Yeah,
1: but I feel like when, when people say aliens, it's like, you know, bald heads, big <laughs> eyes, and all this stuff. But I feel like there might be extraterrestrial beings, mm-hmm. which might not just be aliens.
0: It- intelligent or just life in general?
1: I don't know. That's a mystery.
0: <laughs> yeah. I guess we'll have to discover. Particularly in nuclear or astrophysics, what do you want to study?
1: So nuclear physics and astrophysics are not really like completely different fields. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are lots of concepts from nuclear physics in astrophysics. You need to know lots of concepts from nuclear physics in order to actually understand astrophysics for example you need to understand nuclear fusion because in because you need this concept for astrophysics mm-hmm. so these are not completely different fields however like for liquid crystal it's pretty different you're not working with any nuclear reactors or with stars or planets so it's pretty different but for nuclear and astrophysics it's it's not that different
0: yeah so since starting your research how has it changed your like your perspective of what you study your perspective of physics and education?
1: So I have never done research before, but Mm -hmm. I've always and always wanted to do research and I knew that I would make a career. I mean, hopefully I would make a career out of it. And during my research, what I've learned is you need to be very patient, at least in my situation, because there are two types of research, Mm -hmm. experimental and theoretical. Experimental means you conduct experiments. And to do experimental research, you need to be very patient because if you are trying to like hurry up, it will just ruin your whole experiment. Because you need to use sterile equipment. You cannot use contaminated beakers or petri dishes or anything. You need to be very precise with your measurement. You need to use the microscope properly. You need you need to calibrate the microscope properly. You Mm -hmm. need to when you are working with heating plate for example i had to use a heating plate for my research i wanted to know how the high, how how high temperature affects the material like does the material melt does the material turn into like a gas or something something like that when i did the experiment for the first time i forgot to insulate my whole system Mm -hmm. because if you don't if you don't insulate it the heat is getting transferred to the air right and if it gets transferred to the air then your measurements like so the material is not getting the heat because some of the heat is getting wasted Mm -hmm. so for experimental research you need to be very precise to be very careful because when you're done with the experiment you have to do calculations you have to measure things so when i did the experiment i was measuring the speeds Mm -hmm. of the Material like how fast they were flowing. So to know that I needed to conduct the experiment properly So yes, yeah patience I, is the key <laughs> <laughs> I've,
0: I've gone through the exact same thing in my chemistry labs and I always get ex- Extremely tense because I know if <laughs> I mess something up, but now what would theoretical research kind of look like?
1: I personally never conducted theoretical research mm-hmm. I don't have much knowledge about it because I didn't I never did it but all I know is you have to read a lot so you are not doing experiments you have to read a lot and you have to you have to just think no, no. yes you have to think of course you have mm-hmm. to think but the thing is I don't know much about theoretical physics how theoretical research however I did talk to this certain professor who is working with condensed matter he is a theoretical physicist Mm -hmm. in kent state and when i went to him he kept telling me you have to read you have to read you have to read a lot you have to read a lot this is not experiment and i thought well i have to read a lot maybe that is what it is about reading a lot is a part of theoretical research you Mm -hmm. read a lot you develop the concepts and you you probably design the model of the experiment like you probably design things with your theory and when you're when you're done designing the theory you pass on this theory to the experimentalist so, okay so basically the ex- like for example like us like i did the experiment because the theory was given to me mm-hmm. so i got the theory and now I'm, exper- I'm experimenting so when i was experimenting with sandwich cells i did not do it because i thought of doing it right because this was a theory given to me by my PI, but I'm not sure how my PI got the theory, probably <laughs> from somewhere, but this was his theory, and I implemented his theory.
0: Yeah, because these ideas are like complex stuff, and yes. I've always wondered the, where they ca- came from. Like, there has to be a process. I don't think, in you know, like a lot of like the social sciences, you know, someone could just sit down and think, observe something, and then just think of a question, and then create a hypothesis just like that. But I mean, stuff within the areas of physics. I don't think anyone just really sits down and just has an epiphany. I think there's like a really like, deep thought process. Deep thought process with a
1: lot of reading. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now what's been your favorite part of doing research as a whole?
1: My favorite part of doing the research like during the SHORE program I got to meet other grad students
0: mm-hmm.
1: and when I met the other grad students I got to know about their projects. And when I got to know about their projects, I got to make connections and they got to know about my projects. So I got a lot of knowledge about their projects. And also during my research, so my professor has a group. And in the group, he has all the grad students. And one of them is me, right? One of them was me during the program. Every week, we would come to a conference room Mm -hmm. in the Liquid Crystal building, and uh, he would conduct a meeting where everyone would present their research what they're doing Th- that was a pretty scary thing for me because first of all I did not have much advanced knowledge and secondly um, I was told I was encouraged to um, attend the meeting and present my research mm-hmm. and this was very scary because I have never presented <laughs> a research that to in front of people who are just so much more advanced than me yeah and I'm just uh, rising sophomore. During my summer, I was just a rising sophomore. And so I was very small. (laughs) I am still very small.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, you traveled all the way out to West Virginia for a symposium. Tell us, tell us about that.
1: Yes. And that was something I've never expected to do. So like I said, I would go to the meeting every week in the Liquid Crystal Building. Mm -hmm. My grad student would tell me, hey, I mean, you can attend the meeting. You can also take part in it. You're not bound to do it but um, it's a good practice, because you might present research in the future. Yeah. And I didn't know it was <laughs> going to be in West Virginia, that too, like right <laughs> after I was done with my SURE program. Thanks to my, thanks to the grad student. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I did the weekly meetings. Mm-hmm. I, would, I would like take part in it and present my research. I would be scared because I thought people would ask me, um, Advanced questions, but no one really asked me advanced questions. we knew that I'm, i was just an undergrad student, but um, through the meetings, I got to understand how it feels like to present your research. Yeah, it's not a it's not a formal conference, but it's still you know you're still presenting your research, so you 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 at least know the vibe. So I did the meetings and all, and then when it was at the end of our program, like around 29th of July, mm-hmm. like the, our program was about to end. And at that time I got an email from the Office of Student Research uh, that there was this really good opportunity to travel to West Virginia and present a research at their undergraduate symposium. So basically yeah. West Virginia hosted this undergrad symposium for students who are in universities based in Ohio, Virginia, probably Pennsylvania, and some other states. Mm -hmm. So not all the states, but some selected states, and there was Ohio in it. Yay. (laughs) So, and you cannot really present the research. You have to get selected at first, and then present your research. And I was not very optimistic about it. I was like... I have I, never done research before, and this was my first ever research experience, and I've never presented my research before. However, I'll just apply. There's no harm in applying. Right, right. And um, they were, ex- they were um, taking research abstracts. So you have to submit a research abstract to West Virginia, and if they like it, they're going to select you.
0: So, and they liked it.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was very really happy that um, I, uh, they accepted my abstract. I didn't even know how to write an abstract. Like writing an abstract is very important, mm-hmm. but everything was just so fast. Like I just got completed with my share program and then suddenly this opportunity and now I have to write an abstract and also design a poster because you need to have a poster which contains your research work and you have to pin it and you have to present it yeah in front of the judges. I've never designed a poster, I've never designed an abstract, I've never presented. Everything was very new, it happened very, very fast. Um, Thanks to my professor, because I asked him to help me write an abstract within a very short time, and my professor is very busy. I feel like every professor is very busy because they have grad students, they have a lot of work, and and I'm so glad that he helped me, regardless of his busy course schedule. Mm So, yeah, uh, I got accepted and I traveled to West Virginia. Two other students also got accepted who took part in the SHARE program. And including me, we were just, we were three students. I got accepted. I went to West Virginia University. I've never been to West Virginia, actually, um, because I'm an international student and I have been to New York City. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And Ohio only.
0: How how was it compared to New York City and Ohio?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, New York City is... Very beautiful, of course. Mm-hmm. It was like, I've always dreamed of going to like New York City when I was small. I, I, I was so upset with the skyscrapers and the life there. Yeah. Um, I mean, everyone is in my country, but not everyone can travel to the US and see it. And mm. I got the opportunity, I'm so thankful for it. Thanks to my father, thanks to my mother. New York City is very beautiful, but it's very distracting. I think <laughs> if my college was there, I would have been very distracted.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, because every everywhere you go, there are so many places, restaurants, and tourist spots.
0: It's a lot of busyness. Yeah, it's yeah.
1: a lot of busyness, and um, Ohio. <laughs> it's 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 also nice. It's good for. A student like me, because I cannot study with a lot of distractions and sounds and everything. Mm-hmm. Life is much cheaper here. I'm an international student. I really cannot afford the housing expenses there. Right. So Ohio is, not Ohio, but Kent is actually a great place. It mm-hmm. has good number of restaurants. I know almost all of them. <laughs> and well, it's, What's
0: your favorite place around here?
1: So I like food with a lot of spice in it. Uh-huh and that excludes American food. (laughs) Um, Since I love a lot of spice, I love the Chinese restaurants and the Indian restaurants. I am from Bangladesh, so our cuisine is pretty much similar to the Indian cuisine and this is why I like it. Mm -hmm. But I wish there was like the authentic Bengali cuisine. But oh well. But ha- there there's an Indian restaurant, so I'm happy with it. And there are there there are some Chinese restaurants. There's also a Turkish restaurant, which is really yes in downtown. Oh.
0: <laughs> How, wait, have you ever been to Sing Briani?
1: <laughs> that
0: that's that's like my go-to place.
1: That is like my <laughs> everyday place. Yeah, because
0: it's it's so cheap there too.
1: <laughs> yes, it's so cheap. I'm not trying to promote their
0: Sing Briani. If you're listening but- to this, sponsor us. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean. To be very honest, their food amount is very big. Mm-hmm. Like you get a lot of curry with a lot of rice. I mean, that's really good for like, I, I buy one chicken tikka masala or... Yeah,
0: that's what, that's
1: what I get. <laughs> <laughs> one chicken tikka masala with one of their rice they give with the chicken tikka masala and I can eat it for the next two days. It doesn't finish even if I eat for just for lunch. It's really good. It's, it's good for students who want food, but with a cheap price. And it's so delicious. It is. Like, it's so delicious.
0: <laughs> it does not even compare to like any other places around here. Or no other place around here compares to Briani. Yeah. yeah. So we would, we, would, we would appreciate a sponsorship after that. <laughs> <laughs> after your PhD, do you plan on staying here and doing your research? Or would you like to travel somewhere else?
1: Honestly, I like to think about my future, but I also don't like to think about my future in a way so that I get hurt at the end because mm-hmm. I'm saying because to be very realistic, today I'm thinking about doing a PhD in astrophysics. I don't know, maybe I might do PhD in something else. I might not even do PhD even though I really need to do PhD and like a PhD is, is must if you want to work as a researcher in an industry. Mm-hmm. However, I also like to think what can happen to me if things don't go as I have expected. So even though I thought about PhD, and if it goes, if, if I get to do a PhD at a at good enough grad school, I would really prefer to stay in the U.S., stay as in I would really prefer to build my career here.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But i also have plans to i mean if u.s is not an option there are always other options like in europe or maybe canada these are some really good options but the u.s is the best option because you speak in english which is easy for me but if you go somewhere in europe you can speak in english but you need to know their language as well if you're not working in the united kingdom or somewhere else Mm -hmm. It's the languages are different. So that might be an issue. But I mean, I'm open to anything like, uh, like I, I, all I know is I cannot go back to my country because in my country, there are no physics industries or astrophysics industries. Mm-hmm. There, There is no research work going on. Yeah. So anywhere but my country. But I love my country. <laughs>
0: do, you, do, do you think that could change in the future?
1: It might change because I'm an international student mm-hmm. and with my with my visa status i'm on a student visa right now so when you're studying in the us as an international student your visa status is the f1 visa status which is this which is for students basically yeah. and it expires after you're you're done studying so if i'm done with my undergrad here by 2025 I have to renew my visa again to study for a PhD in the US. Mm-hmm. And after I'm done with my PhD, I have nothing to study, I have to work. Right. So I cannot really work, join the workforce because I need a special permit. And unfortunately, that permit is not certain. I'm, like it's not certain that I'm going to be getting that permit. And if I don't get the permit, I won't be able to work. So it depends on the permit. And I hope in the future I get to work here yeah. and build my life here as an astrophysicist, hopefully. But if it doesn't work out, like if you don't get the work permit, the law tells you to go back to your country. Mm-hmm. And only then I think I'll ever go to my country. Yeah. Like like completely settled there. But that will be harmful for my career because I have to build my career in astrophysics and there is no, there are no such research industries in my country. So it will be... Be tough. I don't know. Yeah. Let's see. <laughs>
0: yeah. do, you, do you think that the research in your country could change in the future? Do you see that as a possibility?
1: I think yes, because we have a lot of research work going on with biotechnology, anything related to biology and chemistry. Mm-hmm. That's like the main research work going on there. We're actually, like, our country is actually building this observatory, probably for some research work and it will take some years to complete building it it will take a lot of years because we are actually facing a lot of other issues such as poverty and Mm -hmm. um, floods and there are lots of issues going on there and to build a astrophysics industry it requires you to invest a lot we are currently we're having a currency crisis So the currency rate is increasing. Yeah. As in, so we have our own currency rate. Our currency is different from the U.S.
0: What's your currency called?
1: It's called taka. Okay, taka. (laughs) It's called Bangladeshi taka. So when I came to the U.S. a year ago, it was one dollar was equivalent to eighty-five taka. Mm -hmm. But right now, it is around one hundred fifteen taka equivalent to a. A dollar wow. which is which is a lot so it's it's going to make it very tough for students to travel to the US for their studies because of the currency rate they need to exchange the currencies in order to travel to the US yeah so yeah I mean there are lots of things going on there and they need to be, they need to be solved in order to invest in something so big like you know in that f- physics industry
0: mm mm-hmm. For our next generation, the people who take over the government and start running universities within America, how can we make it easier for international students to come and study here?
1: Are we talking about the people in the U.S. making it easier for the international students to come? Mm
0: -hmm. Or other countries as well. How could they make it easier? Both sides.
1: This might be a bit controversial, mm-hmm. but um, for the people in the U.S., I'm really glad that they have such great universities and allowing so many international students to come and study in their universities. And For example, in Kent State, there are, like, like Kent State is, has so many international organization and international student council. Every country has their own cl- club. Like, people from the certain countries have their own clubs with their own country's theme. Mm-hmm. So, there is good enough diversity here, and I really appreciate that. However, the one issue with the international students is that the visa allowance. So visa is actually a permit. Yeah. So you get a permit to enter into the U.S. territory. So it's way too strict for people in Bangladesh. Mm -hmm. And there are reasons, actually. A lot of illegal immigrants enter the territory, so it does make sense however there are so many deserving students that have seen got into great colleges definitely but they had dreams they got accepted and now they want to start their career in, mm-hmm. in the they what they want to st- start the student life in the u.s but their visa gets rejected because they were a bit nervous nervous during the visa interview yeah. so we have a visa interview before the officer can give us the permit and during the interview, you actually have to answer the questions like really confidently. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, even though I know the answers, I feel kind of nervous sometimes because those people, the visa officers are actually American Mm -hmm. and people who have never talked to an American person before, that will be the first time for them. And that too in English, that is not even our native language. So it's very hard for us, like mentally and physically, it's very hard for us. So a lot of students kind of do not speak confidently like they know the answers but they, they just cannot answer it yeah in a confident way and their visa gets rejected mm-hmm. because apparently the officers think that you know you don't if you don't answer confidently then you are probably not going there with the intention of studying which is kind of not nice but yeah that might be an issue so I feel like if this thing was much easier and mm-hmm. more I don't know the correct term for it, but I wish the officers were more easy on the students and understand their situations and their backgrounds, understand that their native language is not English yeah. and yeah this this is uh, this is one thing that can really change the lives of the international students.
0: Mm-hmm. No, a lot, because a lot of citizens here are not familiar with the visa process and how how difficult it can be.
1: Yeah, because you're very lucky because you have an American passport Mm -hmm. and which is the world's second most powerful passport in the whole world.
0: (laughs) What's the first one?
1: Japan. Japan? Yes, you have, I think you have access to like 190 countries Mm -hmm. without the visa Okay. or maybe a bit less, 189 or something. But for us we only have access to 36 countries without visa. And those countries are mostly like the touristy places or islands, islands that, you know, where there are like no people. But as for you, you can literally go anywhere, like one of those 190 countries without a visa. It's much easier for you. So, yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, I get extremely nervous when I'm crossing the border to Canada and the border agent is asking me questions. I couldn't imagine sitting down and and having a conversation to get a visa.
1: Yeah. Then, like, look at us. We're literally talking to the visa officer. Like, they're asking us questions in English and Mm -hmm. we have to answer them in English, even though, like, English is not our language. And sometimes we feel like we're not good Enough students because we don't know English. But the thing is, it is not our language. We are not supposed to know English in the first place. But we have to know English very well because of this visa process and everything. A year ago, when I came to Kent State, um, every everyone was very easy with me speaking English because I was not very fluent. I could write really good English, but when I'm talking, it's kind of hard to talk but yeah. i really I, I write really good english um they never they never told me hey you don't know english <laughs> but when when we're talking with the visa officers we feel like as if you know it's the end of the world if you don't know english so that's a thing. yeah
0: no i i really respect your drive to complete your education i mean just pursuing a deg- phd in physics alone is it's hard enough but then adding on all the additional hoops that you have to jump through that people aren't even aware of. I mean, that's very amazing.
1: Yeah, it's harder for me because, again, I come from a very different community Mm -hmm. um, where women are not encouraged to study. So getting a PhD is like a very big deal for a woman in Bangladesh. Yeah. Uh, That too in a STEM field because when you're supposed to start your PhD, you're gonna get a lot of forceful requests to get married, get married, get married. <laughs> um, actually, you get those requests when you're like 15 or 16. <laughs> that's really that's really uh, something I don't really like. Um, yeah. Most of us are actually raised in a way so that we can serve our partners mm-hmm. after marriage, which is kind of ridiculous because I really want to study. Most girls, they really, really want to study, but yeah. they don't get to study. They can't even, they're, they're not even allowed to think about studying because the par- their parents don't want it. And I'm glad that my father did. And so I am studying here and hopefully I'm g- going to be getting a PhD and hopefully I'm going to be building a career mm-hmm. and have my own earnings rather than, being dependent on someone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: No, I'm I'm really glad you chose this route because I think you're going to make a huge impact in this field. Just given the the knowledge, the passion and the adversity you had to overcome to get to this point. It's going to be really amazing to see where you go in the future. Now, if you had to share one more thing with the world, what would it be?
1: Life is not perfect. And I will sound very weird and different, but when we're not doing well when our life is not going as we as we expected mm-hmm. there will be a lot of people around you who is going to tell you you know what it's going to be all right but it might not be all right your situation might not get better mm-hmm. this is something a lot of people won't tell you they're going to rather encourage you to be confident again and just move on Things are going to be better, which is, which is, which is, I agree, that's really good. But to be realistic, when people say this stuff, um, you think, oh, well, maybe tomorrow I'm going to have a great day. And then after years and years, some people don't get to have a great day. So yeah. I'm going to say, is be very realistic with your decisions. Be very realistic with this world. <laughs> I, I I really don't want to be very negative but this is your life right now it's not going as you were as you have expected it to be you have to accept that fact because when you accept that accept that fact you get to move on if I agree that yes my life is not going well and it might not go well tomorrow it might not go well a week after that then I can do something to make it better right so thing is be realistic It might take a lot of time a lot of time for you to have a better situation if you are not getting a good grade today Mm -hmm. or tomorrow or the week after be realistic you are not getting a good grade okay so if you accept your situation you get to think about what you should do to get a good grade now you won't get a you might not get a good grade within 2 months it might take years so you you must accept the fact that okay i might not get a good grade within 2 months it mm-hmm. might take years i believe i mean if you do this it will make you just much stronger and you yeah. will be facing harder situations without getting without getting disappointed yes
0: yeah no you really need to take accountability for the situation that you're in as your environment is going to throw things at you left and right day after day. But it's up to you individually to navigate that situation. And even though it could be really bad, make it the best that it can be to yeah. the best of your ability.
1: Yeah, because I mean, all of us have had situations where we did feel very low. Mm-hmm. And there were people who would say, Hey, you know what? It's going to be all right. And then I would cheer up. And then the next day, it was not better. Yeah. So I was given unrealistic expectations about my situation. This is something that I faced. And I think being realistic and being patient is the key. Be realistic. And when, when you're being patient, you will feel a bit frustrated, which is fine. You're a human. Yeah. But don't give up. You might think of giving up, which is fine. Then it, it, it's, it's totally fine to think about giving up, but don't give up. Yes. Be realistic.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was excellent advice, Yeah. I have to say. Well, Duraba, it's been awesome having you on. You're welcome back anytime. You're doing amazing work, I have to say.
1: Yeah, thank you.
0: Yeah. Again, this is your host, John, of The Research Review, creating a platform to inspire Peace out.